Um, so some of you might know this one, but how many Canadians does it take to change a light bulb? None, we don't change light bulbs, we accept them as they are. <laughs> um, the reason I tell this joke is because what I want to talk about today um, has a lot to do with culture and Canadian culture. Um, and about, so we're going to be talking about conflict resolution. Let's see if I can get this here. There we are. Yeah, so they're the guys saying, I hate conflict. <laughs> I think if it was the Canadian, we'd be apologizing to the Cape. I'm so sorry for putting you in this conflict. <laughs> um, I have a story about my sister and my mom being in conflict. Um, when, my, uh, when my sister was two, she and my mom were having an argument, and my mom said to her, I don't like the way you're behaving. And my sister says, I'm not behaving. <laughs> there, they were in agreement, although my sister didn't know it. <laughs> So I think really, like, Canadians, we're not that great at conflict resolution. Sometimes we are, but mostly, you know, we're very like, oh, I'm so sorry, and we'll just leave it, you know. Uh, so some of us are from sort of the UK background with a stiff upper lip, you know. My, my uh, grandmother's family, you know, you don't talk about conflict. You don't talk about, you know, death. You don't talk about religion. Those are personal things, you know. So... Yeah, so that's very, like, I think sometimes difficult for us as Canadians to, like, really know what to do or how to do it. And especially, I think, especially women, like, in Sunday school, I was taught that you turn the other cheek. Like, you don't, you know, if somebody does something bad to you, you like, if they push you, you don't push them back. You know, you say, would you like me to, would you like to push me again? You know, that kind of thing was what I was taught. But I realized that, you know, when I was reading through the Bible and somebody hit Jesus and he did not say, would you like to hit me again? He said, why did you hit me? And I thought, oh, that's not very like Sunday school. <laughs> so I started to think, oh, maybe like the conflict resolution I've been taught, maybe that wasn't exactly the best. So I started looking, you know, what does the Bible say about conflict resolution? And actually, Jesus talked about conflict resolution. In Matthew 18, verse 15 to 17, Jesus is talking, and he's saying, if your brother or sister sins, now this means another Christian, right? If another Christian, and this means sins against you. So if, you're, if some Christian in the church or in your family hurts you, right, Go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So um, in Israel, if you weren't a Jew, you were a pagan, and pagans weren't allowed in the temple, so that would be the church, and they weren't allowed in people's houses, you weren't allowed to eat with them, and they pretty much ignored them. And a tax collector was even worse. A tax collector was somebody who was Jewish and who was a traitor and collected money for the Roman Empire. And so they were treated even worse than the pagans. And I'm like, okay, so if somebody hurts me, I like go to them and I say, ow, that hurt. And they say, too bad. <laughs> and I, you know, take my, you know, connect group leader with me and I say to them, ow, that hurt. And they say, too bad. And then I'm supposed to go to the church and tell all you guys what happened? I don't think I've ever seen that happen in my life. <laughs> 
maybe once or twice, but like that seems kind of extreme, doesn't it? Like that's my like Canadian like. <laughs> I'm reading it through this Canadian lens going, oh my goodness, like I'm going to go to the church. It's going to be a big deal. I don't want a big deal. I'm Canadian. <laughs> we don't do big deals. We, we let the Americans do that. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, so let, let me see, like, you know, sort of I thought, okay, let me think about it a little bit more and pray about it and maybe study it a bit more and see, like, what I can come up with. So I don't know about you guys. Have you guys seen, like, anybody go to the church before? Maybe once or twice? Maybe, but not very often. So here we go. Okay, so the first thing is, if somebody has hurt us, we need to decide, are we going to confront them and are we not? And so I think, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, well, maybe. So how can we decide, right? So the first thing is, is this a big thing or a small thing, right? Did somebody step on my toe, even though I have an infected toe today? You know, like, does it, like is it small? Because 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. You know, so because I love them, I can ignore that. You know, like, or um, perhaps I know that my friend is going through a hard time and she's a bit, like, snippier than normal, like, I can, I can sniffier than normal. <laughs> Not that she's sniffy, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like maybe I can just cover that with love, you know. And especially if it's only one time, especially if I know it won't happen again, I can cover that with love. So I'm probably not going to confront them. Yeah, yeah. This, you know, questions are so good. Can I answer them at the end? Is that okay if you can keep them? Yeah, thanks so much. That's great. Okay, so the second one is, if the other person doesn't mention the incident, then you can assume that they don't know that they've hurt you, even if they should know. So a lot of times I hear people say, I'm not going to go tell them what they did. They should know that insulting my dog will hurt my feelings. How can they not know that? They should come and apologize to me for insulting my dog. Right? Like, that's what people say. Like, they should know. And sometimes, really, it seems crazy that they wouldn't know. Like, you know, they're doing something really bad, like stealing from you or you know and you're thinking like they should know that's not right they're christian <laughs> this is not somebody at work this is somebody from church <laughs> right what are they doing like but i have to say that we can't know what the other person thinks or knows or doesn't know like you know i have been to families where it is like they insult each other all the time and it's a joke in my family you'd never do that but in some families i've been to that's just part of being brothers like you know, they call each other like tubalard and stuff like this. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. You know, I'm like, oh my goodness, the poor guy. But he's not hurt at all. So maybe they don't know, right? And we're going to give people the benefit of the doubt because the Bible says that we're to think the best of everyone. So if we're deciding whether to confront or not, then in our reason that we're not confronting is that they should know, then really we do need to go and talk with them, right? Maybe they don't know. Okay. Uh, third, if it's the first time that something's happened, it's good to say that it bothers you right away. So confronting someone to me is sort of like I'm going to ask them if we can sit down and chat. But just saying a comment, you know, um, right away is really good. And I don't know about you, but I used to be really good when something bothered me, just like letting it go, and it would bother me again when they did it the second time and I'd let it go. 
And it bothered me the fifth time they did it, and the tenth time they did it, and I would let it go, and then the eleventh time, I would tell them that I really don't like that. Please don't do it again. I don't know if any of the rest of you do that. <laughs> so I think, I hope, I've gotten a little bit better at saying things right away. Would you mind not calling me Mandy? I like Amanda. <laughs> you know. Um, would you mind not parking in my driveway when you come for a Bible study because my mom comes and goes and I don't want to block her in? You know, like just if I say it right away, I'm usually able to say it quite a bit calmer than like the red-faced, redneck Amanda does. <laughs> so, yeah, saying it right away. Okay, and the fourth thing is deciding to confront or not. If we haven't been somebody who confronts a lot, if we don't have a lot of practice, we want to start off small. Right? So we don't want to start off telling our father not to insult our spouse anymore, because that's big. And the truth is, when we confront, there's sometimes a cost. In fact, there's always a cost. But sometimes the cost is loss of relationship. And so we don't want to start out big, because losing our relationship with our dad is a big deal. We want to start off with the lady we don't really like anyway at work. <laughs> Because the loss of relationship with her won't hurt that much, right? You know, she always takes the stapler and never gives it back, and it's always on her desk, and I have to go get it from her desk in the next room. This didn't actually happen. <laughs> All the time, she has my stapler, right? So, like, I'm going to say to her, would you mind giving back the stapler when you borrow it? Because it's a pain for me to always go and try and find it, you know? And if she doesn't, because, you know, sometimes people don't, even when you ask them, the next time it happens, I'm going to say again, would you mind bringing the stapler back? Or I'm a teacher, so I would say, would you mind sending one of the kids back with the stapler when you're done with it so I know where the stapler is in my room? Because if she completely hates me for the rest of the school year, that is not a big loss for me. And the truth is, conflict resolution takes practice, and the more we practice, the better we get and the less likely it is that conflict resolution will result in the loss of relationship, right? So if my dad is insulting my spouse, I'm probably going to work up to that. <laughs> I'm not going to start there, right? So start off small. So if we're deciding to confront or not, those are some things to think about. Okay, before you go, you've decided, yes, I'm going to confront, I'm going to let my brother in Christ know that he hurt me. <laughs> Could let my sister in Christ know that she hurt me. And so before I go, if some, especially if somebody's really hurt me, I prepare. So the first thing I do is write a really angry letter to them that I'm never going to send. I write it in my journal, and I say exactly how much they hurt me and what I think, and I get the anger out. This is not to increase my anger. This is to get it all out so I don't say really mean things to them <laughs> that I know will hurt because I know what hurts them when I'm doing the confrontation, right? This is so that I get it all out beforehand and also I want to know that I've expressed it all to God because I'm telling God how that hurt. I'm telling God how angry I am and the truth is when we don't really express everything to God, he doesn't really have permission to come and heal everything. Now, he does sometimes, but mostly I find the more I admit to him, the more he'll heal. So if I admit a little bit of the hurt, he heals that little bit. And if I admit a lot of the hurt, he heals that lot. And a lot of times it takes me a while. I have to do it a couple of times before I'm really ready to admit that actually that hurt really a lot. 
you know, because I don't want to admit that that person can hurt me that much. And so the letters help me admit how much I was hurt, and it leads me into number two, before I go to uh, confront someone, to talk with them about hurting me, I forgive them first. This may seem counterintuitive, like usually isn't it supposed to, they're supposed to ask for forgiveness and then I forgive them, right? Like, you know, when I teach Sunday school, I say, say you're sorry, and they say, sorry, and, you know, say it's okay, it's okay, you know, like that's what you're taught. It's like really ground in, like, you know, your kindergarten teacher tells you that every day, like 10 times a day, you know, so, so it seems counterintuitive, but the truth is, if I forgive the person before I go, I'm not as angry, now, forgiveness is a whole other topic, but the truth is forgiveness is for us because when we forgive, we're free from that person's control over us. When we're still angry, we're saying they have the power to control my anger, which I don't want. I don't want somebody else to have the power to control my anger, <laughs> right? So when I forgive, I'm cutting that off and I'm saying I have the power to say I forgive you. Right? So I do that, I do that first. Okay, number three, talk it over with a trusted friend. So um, I have heard pastors say that when they're hurt by somebody, they don't talk to anyone because they don't want to speak badly about anyone, and they just go to the person. And I've noticed that the pastors who have said that are all men. <laughs> because women tend to be oral processors. I don't know about the rest of you women, but the more I talk, the more I understand how I really feel. And the more I talk, the more I figure out what I'm going to do. And a good friend is going to help you figure out what a good thing to do is. Right? So when you're talking with a trusted friend, your spouse or your best friend, your connect group leader, your pastors, they're going to help you figure out, what will I say when I go? Do I need to go? Why am I hurt? Right? So oral processing is not gossip. But be careful not to gossip, right? So oral processing is towards an end goal. What will I do? What kind of prayers do I need to heal my heart? You know, so when I tell one friend, that's not gossip. But when I tell 10 friends, <laughs> 10 friends is maybe heading into gossip, <laughs> right? So, you know, one or two trusted friends is good. You know, everybody in my connect group knows that I'm angry at this person at church is maybe not not so good, right? So we want to be careful we're not gossiping. We want to be careful that when we're like talking is so we can figure out what we want to do. Okay, four. Read a helpful resource. So I really like this book, Boundaries by Townsend and McLeod. Again, boundaries is another issue, but it's also very closely connected to how we um, resolve conflicts in our life, and these guys are really good. In fact, I heard one, uh, I can't remember if it was Townsend or McLeod talking um, this one time, and he said that people kept asking them about boundaries, so uh, they talked about it a lot, so they decided to write a book so nobody would ever ask them about boundary questions again. <laughs> but in fact, now they travel over the world only talking about boundaries. <laughs> So the poor guy is really, really good at boundaries. And a lot of things that I've mentioned here come from their book. So um, if you do want more, I, I highly recommend this book. Okay, number five. When we've decided to confront someone, we want to set up a time to meet them and let them know a little bit about what we want to talk about. Because it's not really okay to surprise somebody with a conflict, <laughs> right? They're thinking you're going for lunch because you're friends and you're going because you're really angry at them and you need to talk with them, right? That's not, I don't want people doing that to me, right? Like, so I might say to somebody, you know, um, 
do you mind if we go for lunch and talk about how you insulted my dog the other day? <laughs> talk a little bit about my feelings about my dog. <laughs> you know, like, just give a little bit, like, not the whole thing, but just a little bit. And often they'll ask questions, and you can just say, oh, you know, like, we'll talk about it more at lunch if that's okay, you know? So it is good to give them sort of a heads up. Because the, th the truth is, what we do, the Bible says that what we sow, we reap. That means what we do comes back to us. And so when we surprise conflict resolution people, that means people are going to surprise conflict resolution me, which I don't want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. When you go. So when we go, um, we want to set a time limit, right? Because especially when we're first... Um, refers to our practicing conflict resolution, it tends to be that we think we have nothing to say, and then three hours later, <laughs> at 11.30 at night, and the other person is falling asleep, you know? So it's good to set a time limit. That's why going to lunch is good, right? Lunch is an hour, um, and we can always come back later to it. Uh, and then the second thing is you want to know what you're going to ask them. So sort of I have a goal. My goal is maybe that I tell them how I felt. Or my goal is I'm going to ask them if they would apologize. Or my goal is I'm going to ask them to change their behavior towards me. Right? That's my goal. My goal cannot be their behavior is going to be changed. Because <laughs> I can't have a goal for them. You know? And actually I'm going to be sorely disappointed lots of times when their behavior doesn't change. So my goal is I'm going to ask. I know what I'm going to ask. Right? Would you... Um, would you mind, when we come for a connect group, um, having your dog with a friend so it doesn't yap the whole time? <laughs> That's probably not something I would do conflict resolution about, because um, I have the dog. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so that's what we're doing, right? We want to be direct. So the way we do direct like stuff is number two. We're going to use I statements, right? So what we don't want to do is accuse people, you know? You, oh, I have a good one here. We're not going to say, uh, so we're going to say, I felt, and then an emotion, when, and we say what happened. So I felt angry, I felt sad, I felt frustrated, I felt tired, an emotion word. I really had to learn this because I used to say, I felt that you think, but that's not an emotion. <laughs> I can't say I feel what the other person think. I really, like, this was really hard for me. I feel an emotion because I didn't want to admit my emotions because then they would know that they hurt me. And I didn't want to do that. That's why these are conflict resolutions between believers, right? Because when we go to people who are not, so people who are believers, we know that they have God's heart, right? When we're going to do conflict resolution with people in the workplace, they may not have God's heart, so I probably won't be as open with them, right? But this is coming to a believer. So we don't want to say, I feel you are rude and unkind when you insult my dog, <laughs> right? That's not an I statement, right? I felt angry when you said my dog barks too much, right? Like this. And the other thing about I statements is nobody can argue with them. Because if I'm saying that they were rude, they can argue that they weren't rude. It's not rude to insult your dog, Amanda. <laughs> but if I say I felt hurt, they can't like, uh, argue with me about my feelings. Oh, no, you didn't feel hurt. Nobody ever says that, right? So that's why we start with the I statements, because it's my experience I'm asking them to help with, right? Okay, three, talk without a raised voice. Um, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a house where everything that was angry was said in a loud voice. <laughs> 
And as a teacher, I had to learn um, how not to use a loud voice and still convey to my students that, you know, it's not okay to hit Sally on the head with a book, right? Like, I had to learn how to do that without a loud voice. And so this is, again, where, um, where you might need to take a break, right? So if you are talking with your friend about what's hurt you and, like, how you're hoping that they'll change this behavior here, um, and you start getting really angry, it might be time to say to them, can we just take a two-minute break? Or, you know, if, if the redness has gone up to your scalp and down to here, you might say, can we take a break until tomorrow? <laughs> Depends on how long you need a break to calm down. And the same for them, right? If you see that they're getting really angry, you can say, why don't, you know, I'm just going to head off to the bathroom for a minute and come back. You know, sometimes we need a break. And actually, I have to say, my sister and my brother-in-law have a really great marriage. Like, just such a great marriage. And this is one of the things that they do. When they have a conflict, they take breaks. So they come back the next day, and they do it really well. I think they're the best at this of any of the marriages in sort of my circle. Okay, number four. When you go, be ready for a bad response. Especially if... Um, perhaps the person you're going to talk with also hasn't had much um, uh, experience with conflict resolution because when we stop letting people treat us badly, they don't like it. <laughs> so when I say to my friend, you know, do you mind um, if when we meet next time, we don't meet at your place, but we meet at my place because every single time we meet at her place... <laughs> and I thought maybe they could meet at my place sometime, and she says, no, well, you have a car and I don't. And I say, yeah, that's true, but you can also get to my house by bus and taxi. <laughs> and she says, you know, uh, but I have kids and you don't. And I say, that's true, you should feel free to bring your kids or to get a babysitter. Maybe we'll do like two times at your place, one time at my place. You know, people don't like it when we ask them to treat us better. So sort of if I go in ready, they may not like that, it helps me. Also, when I'm talking it over with a friend first, so I'm talking it over um, with my sister, say, and she's helping me, you know, process what I'm going to say, she might say what the other person could say. So we're talking, I'm telling her, you know, I don't always want to go to this person's house. I don't think that's fair. That's not an even friendship. I want a more even friendship. She, she might say to me, well, if you ask her to come to your place, she might say but you have a car and I don't. And then I'll think, oh yeah, what would I say if she said that, right? So it's a little bit of work. And this is the thing that sort of is surprising about conflict resolution. It's work and it's also courage. And we tend not to do the work that Jesus asks of us. He asks of us, if, they have something against, if you have something against them, if they've hurt you, go and talk to them. But that's work, and so I don't know if I really want to do that. And then Jesus says, if they still won't say that they've done something wrong, go again. Well, I really don't want to do that. That's a lot of work. And then I'm going to go to the church. Like, this is a lot of work. It's being brave. And oftentimes we just don't want to do the work that Jesus asked us to do about conflict resolution. Um, and, you know, really, I, I feel like I really have to repent to God because usually I do the first step and then I let it go. You know, but he's asked me to do three steps. Um, and so I think, okay, the Bible says that to obey God is to love him. And I want to show God my love. And so I want to obey him in conflict resolution. I want to do what he said. 
I want to do all three steps, not just one. Uh, number five, it's not our job to convince people because the truth is I'm always right. They're always wrong. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just mostly right. No. <laughs> so the truth is, we think we're right. They think they're right. And if we try to convince them, it just ends up in an argument and does not go towards how we're going to fix this problem. I want to find a way where they cannot insult my dog and perhaps I can keep my dog a little bit quieter, right? Like, that's, we're trying to get towards somewhere where we both can be okay. But just talking about who's right is not helpful. Right? So I just state my case and then what I want, what I'm hoping for, right? So I say, you know, it hurts when you insult my dog and I'm wondering if you could not do that. So I'm asking for a change in behavior. Or, um, you know, I don't like it when you always bring donuts because I'm on a diet. <laughs> could you please bring fruit sometime, right? Like I'm asking for a change of behavior, right? So I'm not going to convince them that donuts are bad for them right, because they taste really good. <laughs> I'm going to ask them to change their behavior. Okay. The thing about conflict resolution that the reason a lot of people don't want to do any conflict resolution is anger. Because we're Canadian and we don't get angry. We're we're calm, we let things go, you know, I don't know, maybe it's not only Canadian, maybe it's just how I grew up, but a lot of times I find when I'm talking with people about conflict, they don't want to be angry, because I don't know, like, at church, I was taught that you're not supposed to be angry, especially as a kid, you know, I was taught that uh, if you're angry, you're sinning, right, that's what I was taught, you're not allowed to be angry, like, and so I don't want to be angry. And also being angry really sucks. Like, I'd rather be happy than angry anyway, you know? Like, I don't want to be angry. That takes up energy, and sometimes I can't sleep. I'd rather be happy. So, but when you do conflict resolution, sometimes anger comes up. So Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin. So anger is not a sin. It is okay to be angry. It just matters what we do with it. If we're angry and we, you know throw the donuts on the floor and stomp on them, maybe that's a little bit like a sin, <laughs> right? But if I'm angry because they keep bringing donuts after I've asked them not to, you know, and I say so, then that's not a sin. It's okay to be angry. Um, anger says that someone has stepped over our boundaries. And anger causes us to take action. God has a purpose for anger. And anger is really sadness's bodyguard because underneath anger is often sadness, if we're too angry or the other person is too angry, we take a break. Right? Come back in five minutes or two days. Okay. A lot of times when we're angry and we don't want to be angry, what we do is we keep it inside. And so we don't express our anger, but it comes out in our actions. So when I'm angry at someone and I don't tell them so, what happens is I don't talk to them as much as I normally would. I start avoiding them, right? This is passive aggressive. Uh, behavior, and we want to avoid that because it's not how Jesus acted. And so we don't want to act like that. And also, I don't want people to start avoiding me when they're angry at me because if they're avoiding me, that means before they won't, they weren't. That means they were my friend. I don't want my friends to be angry at me and avoid me. I want them to say what it is so we can restore the relationship because Jesus wants relationships to be restored. Now, he's not saying you're going to be best friends forever. 
right? But he wants relationships to be restored. So when we don't say anything, but we show our anger in actions, like indirect resistance, like they ask us to do something and we say yes, but then we don't, um, or backing off the relationship. And this happens a lot. People just let the relationship go without saying anything. And um, a lot of people get hurt like that. So first the person was hurt, and then they back off, then the other person's hurt, and then they leave the relationship, and then two people are hurt. Right? That's not God's heart for us. Right? He wants that when we're hurt, we go and we work it out until the relationship is restored. Okay. Perhaps somebody might come and talk with you uh, after the sermon, saying that you've hurt them. <laughs> right? This is possible. Um, and so Romans 12:8 says, If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It does not say, admit they are right and apologize. It says, live at peace with everyone. Right? So when people come to us and say that we've hurt them, then the first thing we want to do is listen, and this is really hard. Like, because usually I want to say something back. Oh, I didn't know, or oh, I didn't mean it that way, or oh. But the, really the thing we need to do is listen until they're done talking. Now, admittedly, sometimes people will just repeat what they said five times over. So on like the second or third time over, then I usually start talking. <laughs> but I do try to let them get everything out first. And then we're going to look for a way to restore the relationship. We're going to validate their feelings. Oh, if you thought that's what I meant, I can understand how you would be sad. You know, oh, if that's what you thought, I didn't know that you felt that way. I'm so sorry. Or, you know, I'm really sorry you're sad. Right? And we want to let them know that they are important. We are going to take the time for them. And then number three is you don't have to agree with them because obviously they're wrong and you're right. I know you're right. <laughs> you don't have to agree with them that you've done something wrong. If you have done something wrong, of course, we apologize. But if you don't think you've done anything wrong, in the case, that does happen. Sometimes people are hurt by us, but it's not us. It's their own issues. Right? Or perhaps the person wants to be a better friend, but we just don't have time. Like, you know, my, my uh, friends who have four kids, they don't have a lot of time to be friends. Like, they don't have a lot of time to come out and meet with me, you know? And so sometimes it's just a situation, right? So um, we can say, you know, I'm so sorry that I hurt you. Because that's the truth. We don't want to hurt people, right? So we can apologize for hurting the person even if we don't agree on what they're saying. Um, and the other thing is, uh, if people come and talk with us, they may not do it very well, right? They might be accusing us, that was so mean, you meant to do that, I don't like that, you know? And so then we have to be ready to thinking of what are we going to say. Maybe we'll set up some boundaries. Maybe we'll say to them, I'm so glad you come to talk with me about this. Can we say it without accusations? I won't accuse you, you don't accuse me, right? You might have to set up your own boundaries, or you might have to suggest a break, Right? Especially when we're first getting to know about conflict resolution. Okay. What if it doesn't work? Sometimes I go and talk with people and it doesn't work. <laughs> and nothing changes. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to check. Have I done all of the steps? Did I do step number one? Go by myself. Step number two? Go with someone else. Step number three? Go to the church. Right now, sometimes it's just not possible to go to the church. Like, perhaps uh, Pastor Ramation and Elsie are on vacation, and they're not available for two weeks, right? So it's not possible to do step three. But as much as possible, we want to do the steps, right? Um, 
Number two, we get better at conflict resolution as we go. So if it doesn't work this time, take heart. It gets easier. I remember when I was first teaching, and I don't know if you know this, but the most difficult thing about teaching is the parents. <laughs> and so I was learning how to deal with parents. And um, one of my students, he had two agendas. And he would write the homework in one agenda, and I would sign it, and he would leave it at school and take his other agenda home that had no homework written in it and not do any homework because his parents thought he had none. <laughs> so when I realized this, I called, I called home and I let them know what had been happening, and the dad was really angry at me for not knowing this sooner. And he was like really loud and angry and at that time I wasn't great at conflict resolution. It's probably the first time I've ever stood up for myself like really in my adult life. And he was really angry and talking to me and I said, sir, are you saying it's my fault your son was not doing his homework? And he's like, no, no, I wasn't. I'm like, okay, good, thank you. <laughs> we get better as we go, right? Sometimes there's just no way to resolve the conflict at the present. So... You know, my friend might be thinking, obviously Amanda is not going to stop her dog from barking. <laughs> so then they have to decide, are they going to come to my Bible study with a barking dog, or are they going to go to another study? Right? Sometimes there's just no way to resolve it, and we have to decide, what will we do? And that leads to number four. Sometimes we do need to leave a relationship, and especially if it's abusive. So sometimes God reveals to us when we haven't known that actually a relationship we're in is abusive. There's a friend who's actually been taking advantage of, this, of us, but we didn't really realize it before. But as God starts pointing out that you're always the one who drives, and you're always the one who pays, and you're always the one who listens, and you're always the one who goes and helps out in emergencies, like sometimes God points out to us, actually, that's not a really great relationship. And so we go to the person and we say, you know, I feel sad when I don't get to talk to at dinner, Right? And the person may not agree, and we take a friend, I feel sad when, right? And it might be in the end that that person just will never admit that they're taking, 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 and never giving. And so then sometimes it's time, although we've forgiven them, although we've done the conflict resolution, it's time to say goodbye to that relationship. And that is okay. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you have to be everyone's best friend, even though it really seems like it in Sunday school. <laughs> I don't know if you also got that impression that you're supposed to be really friendly to everyone. But, yeah, like, it's okay to say I'm important enough to um, stand up for. It's okay for me to stand up for myself. It's okay for me to say it's not okay to treat me this way, right? And that's what this is about. This is about saying, yes, God, like, I'm important. I'm going to do what you say is best for me. You say going by yourself, going with someone else and going to the church, that's the best thing for me. And I want to do what you say is best for me. And so I just want to talk maybe to a couple of people in here who maybe don't know Jesus very well. Maybe this is your first time or hearing about Jesus, or maybe you've heard about him before, but you're not really sure. Um, Jesus is uh, part of the Trinity. He's, um, there's God, Father God, and the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, and they're all God, and they love us so, so much. And they want to live with us forever in eternity in a paradise. And I really think an eternity of paradise and chocolate sounds great. <laughs> and so, you know, the problem is that um, 
we do things wrong. I, well, okay, I do things wrong. I should probably say me. I do things wrong. And God doesn't want any sin to come to heaven because it's supposed to be paradise, right? Like it can't be that I bring with me my resentment to heaven because then resentment's in heaven forever, for eternity. He doesn't want that. And so God said, you know, only perfect people can go to heaven. And I was like, okay, God, nice knowing you. <laughs> no, that's not what happened. <laughs> what happened was God had a rescue plan. He sent his son Jesus, who's also God, to live on earth. And he lived a perfect life. And he could get an eternity of chocolate. But I couldn't. <laughs> and a relationship with God, which is also pretty amazing. And so what Jesus did was he died. For me, I was supposed to die with my sin, taking it to the grave. But Jesus died for me on the cross and took all that sin away forever. And he rose again, and he lives in heaven with God, and he's waiting for us to choose him. And he's saying, if you want my love, if you want to live forever with me in paradise, all you have to do is choose me as your God. And I'm the best God anyway, because the truth is we all serve one God or another. We serve materialism. We serve health. We serve... But I want to choose the God who loves me. And so what we can do is we can say to God, I'm so sorry for doing things that really hurt you and that hurt other people and that got in the way of your love, because your love is awesome. And so... If we do that, if we say, you know, I want you as my God, and I'm so sorry for all the things I've done that got in the way of love, then we get to have a relationship with God forever. So we're just going to pray now um, about conflict resolution and about knowing God. So, Father God, we're so thankful that you love us so much. We're so, so thankful that you sent Jesus, that we could... Um, have a relationship with you, that we could live forever with you, that we could know your love. And we just want to say today that we choose you as our God. We're so sorry for what we've done that's come in the way of your love, and we choose you as our God. We say you are the best, kindest, most loving God there is. And we want to obey you and do what you say is best for us. Would you help us with conflict resolution? Would you help our culture to be your kingdom's culture? May it be that we can be polite Canadians and also do conflict resolution, God, not as an oxymoron, but really, really, truly, <laughs> that we can do it like you did, Jesus, in love, that we could speak truth in love, that we could tell people in love, Lord. We could choose to do it in love. Thank you for helping us. And Father, we thank you for the potluck today, and we thank you for the food. Would you bless the food to our bodies, and may all of the calories go to energy and none to fat, in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> okay, um, if, if you would like prayer, if you'd like prayer about knowing Jesus better, if you would like prayer about help it with conflict resolution, or maybe some big conflict you have in your life, or if you want prayer for something else, please come on up to the front. We would love to pray for you now. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. I'm going to get to your question. Thank you. And um, if uh, you would not like prayer or don't have questions, please feel free to head down for the uh, potluck. Thank you very much. <laughs>